Welcome to WFUV's What's What. It's Tuesday, November 1st. What's What is a daily podcast that explores current events, culture, news, and hot topic issues in New York, New Jersey, and Connecticut. And includes features and interviews exclusively from WFUV. I'm Andrew Canary. And I'm Isabel Danzis. Here's What's What in New York. Today marks the end of the COVID-19 vaccination requirement for private sector businesses. Now, individual companies can choose for themselves if they want to mandate the vaccine. Mayor Eric Adams announced two months ago that this mandate would be lifted on November 1st. The mandate on public schools just ended earlier today as well. Just last week, a Staten Island judge decided that the city has to reinstate municipal employees who were fired for being unvaccinated. City officials are trying to overturn that ruling. New York City workers who interact with the public are still required to be vaccinated. Adams is leading the charge in combating climate change with his new plan to electrify New York City schools. The plan consists of constructing all new electric schools and converting 100 existing heating systems into electric by 2030. The $4 billion plan will also install electric-efficient LED lights in 800 schools by 2026. Adams says this will create a healthier learning environment and improve air quality. The Metropolitan Museum of Art's new exhibition offers an unprecedented look into the revolutionary Cubist movement. WFUV's Grace Anderson provides some insight into the collection. The Met's new Cubism exhibition features some of the movement's most renowned names, Pablo Picasso, Georges Braque, and Juan Gris. There are over 100 pieces on display throughout the 10 rooms, most depicting distorted versions of reality common in Cubism. Elizabeth Cowling is a co-curator of the new exhibition. She says the three artists were often playfully competitive and tried to one-up each other by adding unusual details to their work. The Cubism exhibition at the Met will run until January 22nd. With WFUV News, I'm Grace Anderson. NYC is celebrating Day of the Dead. Day of the Dead is a Mexican holiday where people celebrate the lives and afterlives of loved ones who have passed away. While Day of the Dead is separate from Halloween, the holidays have similar themes. They both center around the ideas that deceased people can cross into the human world once a year. And while Day of the Dead is officially tomorrow, festivities have been going on all week. Today, there is a themed cruise sailing down the Hudson. Other Day of the Dead festivities include Rockefeller Center's Mexican Week and an ofrenda in Sunset Park. Big news for the Billboard Hot 100 and even bigger news for all the Swifties out there. Taylor Swift has become the first artist in history to claim the top 10 spots in a single frame. All the tracks in the top 10 come off Swift's new album, Midnight's, which was released on October 21st. Her new hit song, Antihero, sits in the number one spot. Two of her other new songs, Lavender Haze and Maroon, sit in the second and third respectively. The Beatles and Drake have been the only artist to come close to this accomplishment, holding all the spots in the top five at some point in time. Now let's head over to the world of sports with WFUV's Taylor Massetta. Thanks, Isabel. Every year, the University of Michigan Wolverines and Michigan State Spartans football teams face off, but the heated rivalry went a little too far post-game this year. The undefeated Wolverines dominated, winning the game 29-7. On his way to the locker room, Michigan player Jaden McBurrows headed into a tunnel alongside the opposing team, something he'd soon regret. A video immediately went viral of McBurrows swarmed by the Spartans, who punched, kicked, and slammed their helmets into him. 
No one knows for sure what provoked the fight, but Michigan's coach, Jim Harbaugh, says that two of his players suffered injuries. The other player attacked was defensive back Jamin Green, who plans to press charges after being struck in the face with a football helmet. This left him with a concussion. The brawl was caught on video, easily identifying the culprits based on their uniforms. Michigan State suspended four players on Sunday, and now the Big Ten and law enforcement are also involved with further punishment. Michigan State's head coach Mel Tucker says that the players will remain suspended until the investigation concludes. With WFUV Sports, I'm Taylor Massetta. Thanks, Taylor. We're running a three-part election coverage series leading up to the midterm elections on November 8th. WFUV's Christina Lulich sat down with economist and Fordham professor Janice Berry to talk about the true cost of living ballot measure. So today we will be talking about the true cost of living bill, which will be on the November ballot for New Yorkers. So Janice, tell me more about this amendment. It's uh, a proposed amendment that would create a more accurate measure of the city's cost of living and it would be used to supplement the antiquated federal poverty measure and the city's current metric, which fails to account for public assistance. Of course, what's interesting about this measurement, which would look at the cost of meeting essential needs, including but not limited to housing, childcare, child and dependent expenses, food, transportation, healthcare, clothing, general hygiene products, cleaning products, household items, telephone and internet service, is that it would be very interesting (laughs) to uh, look at this data uh, across the city of New York. There will be so much wide variation in the cost of living in New York, depending on, of course, people's income class. So it will give the city officials a lot of information. How can this bill affect poverty in New York City if people vote yes? Keep in mind that on the ballot initiative, it states clearly that there is no application of this index to eligibility criteria after it is created. It merely says that by measuring the true cost of living, this is a necessary first step towards economic justice. It must be the case that the Committee for Racial Justice believes that there are costs included in the description of the ballot initiative, which have been left out of certainly the official poverty measure, certainly the supplemental poverty measure, and even the New York City poverty measure. So my position on this is yes, people should vote for it. It is an attempt, I believe, to be more inclusive as a first step of the true costs of living in New York City, which apparently uh, the committee believes are not accurately captured. What do you think we can expect in the future if city officials start using this metric? I like that it's a very clean measure. 
in limiting itself only to looking at costs, but what would I say its impact could be if successfully constructed? Well, you know, the chain here is fairly hierarchical, and you would have to get a buy-in from not only the state of New York, uh, but the federal government to change some of the eligibility laws based on the development of this new metric. And I think that's a pretty tall order. That was Janice Berry, an economist and professor at Fordham University. I'm Christina Lulich, WFUV News. That was WFUV's Christina Lulich talking to economist and Fordham professor Janice Berry about the true cost of living ballot measure, which is being voted on in the upcoming November election in New York City. And that's our show for today. I'm Isabel Danzis. And I'm Andrew Canary. Check back with us tomorrow at 3 o'clock for more news, music, culture, and sports. And tell your friends so they can find WFUV's What's What at WFUVnews.org and wherever you get your podcasts.